To talk more about the popularity of O Fortuna, we're delighted to be joined by Linton Stevens. He's an accomplished musician, he's dedicated to bringing classical music to a wider audience, and he presents Radio 3's Classical Fix, the show that calls itself the place for classical newbies. Every week he invites on a guest who loves music, but who isn't into classical, and puts together a playlist for them to sample. So, Linton, welcome. Um, is O Fortuna a piece you often have on your programme, Classical Fix? Because we only have six pieces per programme, we try and keep it varied, but I have had it on in the past, and sometimes we repeat. We haven't repeated that one yet, but it has been on. Why do you think it has such a kind of broad appeal? What, what goes on in the music that makes people think, oh, what's this, this piece again? I think a huge amount is to do with its use in popular media. I mean, there's nothing more raw or primal than the sound of the voice, yeah. I think. And yeah. if you're lucky enough to sing in a choir, it's something you understand when you perform, that feeling of your voice coalescing with other people's voices yeah. uh, and making harmony. And so when we hear it, you know, recorded, we hear it back in media, I think that initially does something to us. And this, it starts out so dramatically... Mm. And it's often used to accompany something dramatic or something that is um, impending, whether that be danger or glory or something. You know, we hear those opening chords from the choir and we know that something big, something momentous is about to happen. Mm -hmm. And I think that popularity has been kind of cemented by the fact that we've heard it so often in that context. There is that sense of it being very primal, isn't it? I mean, it's just that kind of almost sort of rawness of people gathering and just singing together. But it's not just singing, is it? I mean, it's it's a real... It's, it's the voice at its extreme. Yeah. What do you feel about it yourself as a, a very accomplished musician and, and, and player in many of the, the great orchestras? What, what's, what's your feeling about it? It's it's interesting. I'm in a very fortunate position in that I get to view music from a very 360 point of view in that I get to play it, I get to listen to it, and then I get to talk about it as well on a radio show. And the thing I love is I get to talk to other people about it and find out what it is that it taps into in them. And so it's interesting for me because all of those hats that I wear as a musician, as somebody involved in music, mm. helped to shape my opinion of this piece. I remember playing this piece for the first time. It was in Wales. There's nothing like it. It's one thing to be sat in an orchestra making this big sound. It's another thing to have the, the choir stood behind you, especially as a bassoon. Very often we, we have, you know, if the percussion's shoved out to the side, we have the choir stood behind us and having to tell them to lift up their sheets so they don't spit on the back of our heads. But um, <laughs> just hearing that sound coming out from behind you, it's a guttural thing. It's something I often talk about on the podcast. It's something that you don't just hear. It's something that you feel. Yep. And once you've experienced it in that way, that then informs how you experience it in any other way, whether it's talking about it, whether it's listening to it. You know, It's such a good piece for what it does, which is portraying that drama. Turning to choral music in general, uh, do choral pieces often turn up on your show? We try and have at least one choral slash vocal piece on the show in every episode. And the reason being is that the boundaries of classical music are immeasurable. Mm -hmm. It can go from somebody drumming on a table to yep. a 200-piece choir 
the whole idea of classical fix my podcast is that we're introducing people to classical music but we're also introducing people to the fact that it isn't this narrow genre that's very often portrayed as snobbish or elite it's huge and this is just classical music then if we look at the Venn diagram where it crosses over into other genres you know it's absolutely massive so for that reason we try and put choral music or vocal music onto each playlist because that makes up such a huge proportion of the genre of classical music that's excellent i mean i just wonder do you know how the guests that um that you bring on to the program how do they respond to choral uh, music generally there are two responses that we often get one for orchestral music which is it sounds like star wars and the which tells you a lot about where people consume classical music and the other and again this is very telling of where people consume classical music when we play choral pieces they'll say it reminds me of church so i will very often go out of my way to find pieces of choral music that are not liturgical or not connected with the church or sometimes i will i'll go for something quite traditional so i'll often try and choose pieces of music that might move away from that that might be where the the choir or will be used in a slightly different context or whether you know with a modern composer they're doing something slightly different what i want to display by doing that as well as choral music within classical music is a huge range within itself it can be anything from a solo voice to looped Mm -hmm. electronics to a whole choir it's not just that hearkening back to the church or they'll often say actually with choral music it reminds me of christmas (laughs) Um, and again very telling of of where people consume that type of music in the popular media obviously you're really passionate about opening all this up and, and through your program i mean what do you think we should all be doing to broaden classical music is a funny old phrase but it's appeal i mean there have been some fantastic statistics coming out of uh, the proms uh, audiences this year from the bbc young people on tiktok millions uh, uh, half of the audience is actually now uh, new and younger so all this doom and gloom don't you think is wrong in a way i mean we're we're looking at a, a line of possibility here but my view would be that um, but we want to know yours, that I think what may be underneath it is our problem with education. And, and that's where our issues lie. But people, when they are introduced to things, are actually open to them. I think classical music began on a, on a certain trajectory. And it's never made the effort to move away from that. It's funny, we talk about classical music like we don't talk about any other genre, like everybody needs to like it. And I, this might be controversial. I don't think everybody needs to like it. I would find it weird if, if somebody said to me, everybody needs to like heavy metal or everybody needs to like R&B. I don't think everybody needs to. It's a genre. It's a taste. But what we do need is a very accessible way in. And that's what classical music often hasn't had, either because of the way it's presented or because of the way it's portrayed. For example... Think in any kind of popular TV show, have you ever seen anybody going to a classical music concert as a just a fun evening thing to do, like they would go to the cinema or something like that? It's portrayed in a very particular way. So what I think we need to do is we need to look at the door you need to go through to enjoy and to uh, consume classical music. And that's the next point for me is how we consume it. So looking at the concert experience and the ways that people now can consume classical music are are finally starting to open up. You know, I, one of my favourite things this year, I presented the Chinake Prom, and between every single movement, people were clapping. And I thought, I love that. 
because all of these rules that go with classical music now, a lot of them only came in in the early 20th century, this idea yeah. of not clapping between movements and things like that, you know. I, I think it is okay to sit in silence to uh, absorb something sometimes, but also to have to withhold uh, a reaction when something has moved you to react so, and to have to withhold that as well. I'm not saying everybody should stand up and cheer in the middle of a mile of five, you know, but to be able to express yourself without having to contain it from music, which is the thing that moves us to our core. It's the way that we consume it, I think, and that's what we are and need to look at a little bit more. Brilliant. Absolutely agree. And I think, you know, I'll still say it, our education system needs to kind of reflect that as well. It always comes down to education. And I think often I will say um, to people with in orchestras or whatever position you're in, because the, the book is often passed as, well, we can't do it because we don't get this and we don't get the people from music colleges and music colleges don't get the people from schools and schools can't afford that. It, it's not looking at the things you can't do. It's looking at the things you can do to change. So mm-hmm. there are mm-hmm. 155 barriers for one individual, but there might be two yeah. ways that they can open the gate. Just coming back, David, to what you previously asked me, how do we get more people interested in core music? We get them singing. Totally. Uh, Actually, we had Dr. Rada Modgill, who was absolutely fantastic, and she is all about social prescribing. And one of the methods of social prescribing is to join a choir. I also have got my boyfriend's dad to join his local choir uh, up in Peterborough. And it's one of the best things he's done because it, it gets you out of your own space it gets you out of your comfort zone you develop a new skill and there is nothing like your voice the instrument that you can't hide behind like I hide behind my bassoon or people hide behind the piano your voice you can't hide and when you can create something that then can blend with other people there's a huge catharsis in that whatever level you're doing it at it doesn't matter the benefits are too many to name